Proverbs 11 this evening. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promise of heaven. And God, how it gives us hope for each day, gives us joy. Lord, what a blessing to know that one day the toil and struggle of this life will all be over. No more fears, no more heartaches, no more pain or suffering. Lord, no more tension, disunity. Father, we thank you for the day that we dwell with you forever. Father, tonight as we look into your word and challenge and our challenge from your word to win souls, God, I pray that you would just uh, squeeze us tonight with conviction. And Lord, give us a burden and a heart for the lost. Father, we love you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Proverbs chapter 11 uh, tonight. Appreciate Brother Cole filling in last week. Me and Amanda were gifted a cruise for our 20th anniversary. And we had the blessing of taking that last last week. It was a blessing. Uh, man, it felt like you were on vacation out in the middle of the ocean, nothing around you. Um, didn't have to decide where to eat. Uh, how many know that's just a blessing not to have to decide where to eat? Y'all struggle like that? Where do you want to go to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to go? <laughs> We didn't have to decide that. It was two places, you know, because it was included with your cruise, or three places, rather, and we enjoyed it. You're on a boat with about 4,000 different people. You're on a floating city. But, you know, as I was uh, on the boat enjoying time with my wife and Amanda's parents were able to go and and her uh, sister and our brother-in-law, you're surrounded by all these people. And often I find myself stopping and thinking about people in their life, their background. Uh, man, it's too many to get to know all in one week to try to talk to. And, um, but boy, you just wonder. Um, you know, something about cruises is there's a lot of stuff that goes on that's, you know, simply as a Christian, I'm not going to participate in. Uh, but people thrive for those things, the things that the world offers. Um, they're wrapped up in a life of, of materialism and a life of, of alcoholism and, and substance and, and immorality and all sorts of things. They are looking to find some type of peace or some type of, of pleasure that's going to make this life enjoyable for them or, or, or get them out of whatever it is they're going through. And what I'm trying to say tonight is this, is that people need Jesus. People need the Lord. I don't know if you all remember the old Steve Green song, um, People Need the Lord. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Emptiness, they're empty, they're filled with pain and suffering. They need the Lord. Tonight I want to talk to us from Proverbs 11 and challenge us all to win souls. And there's three things I'm going to share with us tonight that will help us in this and help us see how we can be used of God to reach people. Because that is why we're here, church. That is why we are here. Proverbs 11, and look at verse 30. It says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, 
And he who is wise wins souls. He who is wise wins souls. I believe all of us tonight would say we want to live with some element of wisdom. Or maybe even we would like to be wise in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. And we see here in this verse written by Solomon uh, a way in which our lives can exhibit wisdom. And that is to win souls. I would say that for some of us in here tonight that a lot of the sin we struggle with are not sins of commission, things that we do necessarily, but are sins of omission, the things that we don't do or we neglect. Would you agree that the the idea of reaching people with the gospel or sharing faith with somebody else is an overlooked or it's an often avoided or neglected area of the Christian life? Um, in a lot of ways, people look at me as the pastor and they say, well, well, they look to me like that's, that's my job to reach people. Look, I'll stop here and say this. God has not called me as a pastor and placed me here uh, as the sole one responsible to grow Highland Drive Free Will Baptist Church. Is that a true statement? That's true. I'm not the one responsible to grow the church. I'm not the one that's responsible to reach everyone in Lincolnton, and we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But God has called all of us. So I think often we, we sometimes, if we're not careful, we can think, you know what, I'm, I'm good in my relationship with the Lord. I'm doing okay. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm staying away from this. I'm not battling with an addiction uh, or, or uh, viewing things I shouldn't view or watching, whatever the case may be. You know, I'm in my devotion life, I'm reading the Word, I'm praying. You know, we can sometimes think everything is good, but we must not overlook the, the areas in our life that we are neglecting, that God has clearly called each of us to. Because to neglect what God has called us to is to commit sin. And we need to confess it as such. And so tonight, I pray that God would sweep through our hearts with conviction and show us through His Word how Desperately, this is needed today, right now. How this is needed in your life and mine and in our church and in our community. Church, we need to win souls. We need to win souls. You remember in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, I want to read this verse to you. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, talking to the disciples. And you shall be my witnesses. He said, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and, all, and, and even to the remotest part of the earth. We see this commission given to the disciples. And we know Mark 16, 15, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We see that this is something that God has called his disciples to. So tonight I want to share three things with us about winning souls that I hope will help us. The first thing is this, number one, soul winning and your life and mine will require that you have a burden for it. The challenge for many of us is we're so wrapped up in our lives and our stuff that's going on that we simply have lost our burden for lost people. For people that are lost and headed toward hell, we simply don't think about it on a daily basis anymore. We're not burdened over it. So I ask you, what are you burdened over tonight? You know, what are you burdened in your life about? There's a lot today. I agree. There's much today to be burdened over. You just looked at the state of our country. There's a lot to be burdened about. There's a lot of division. 
Uh, there's a lot of things going on in the economy, the election, the state of our country. We're approaching a, a, a presidential election, and all of that can create anxiety and, and burden people because it seems like every election year something happens to create more stress. There's a lot to be burdened over. But would you agree that the time is urgent for you and I to get our lives in alignment with the Scriptures, to get our lives right with God, for God to squeeze our heart with a burden for our lost neighbors, family, friends, the people that we work with? Would you agree that and we hear these statements, and I feel like sometimes they go in one ear and out the other, but would you agree that, look, time is running out to reach people. Look, and life is very, very short. Brother Michael's 48 years old and lost his life because of the medical challenges he had. Just eight years older than I am. You know, I feel like in 10 years, a lot of the funerals, in fact, most of the funerals I have preached have been for people younger than 70 years old. So life is brief. You know, time's running out. Our day is coming when we are going to go home to be with the Lord. We don't have a lot of time. But sometimes it's like we float through life and dance through life like we got all the time in the world to reach people, and we simply, we don't. People are dying every day in our community and going to heaven or hell. And God needs to squeeze our heart with a burden for people. Look, we must be diligent to use each day for the glory of God and use the opportunities He gives us to represent Jesus to someone else. We must have a burden to share the gospel. Would you agree the burden in your heart and mind to share the gospel should far outweigh any other burden we're carrying? It should far outweigh our worry and our anxiety over politics and, and, and our finances and all of these things. We should be so burdened to reach someone with the gospel that it far outweighs anything else. Why? Well, because... Let's share a few things of why we should be so burdened because of the position of mankind. You see, man, apart from Christ, you realize that man, apart from Christ, your family, your friends, your co-workers, the people you are around that are outside of Jesus, you recognize that they're homeless outside of Christ. They're homeless. In Ephesians 2, 12, it says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. They have no heavenly home outside of Christ. Hebrews eleven sixteen says, But now they, believers, desire better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. You see, those in Christ have a heavenly home that we are looking forward to. Those outside of Christ don't have that hope that you and I have. They're homeless without Jesus. They're hopeless without Jesus. In 1 John 5, it says, The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You realize that Satan is the prince and, and power of the air and he's the God of this world? You realize he's deceiving the minds of people thinking that they can find happiness in some type of, uh, of financial security or some type of addictive substance or some type of, of, of lavish or, or loose lifestyle. You realize Satan is deceiving the masses with this stuff. People have bought into it because of Hollywood and social media and all the stuff that's pumping uh, our minds full of nonsense. And people are buying into it thinking that they can find hope in something else. And church, we need to bear the message to them. They cannot find hope outside of Jesus Christ. They will always be left hopeless and destitute apart from Christ. Satan's deceiving the minds of people. The whole world 
lies under the sway of the wicked one. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Church, that's hope. That's the hope we have to give people. Look, they're helpless. They're hopeless. In Ephesians 2 it says, Having no hope and without God in the world. But there's no middle ground on how lost mankind is without Christ. That's the point. They're homeless, helpless, and hopeless without Jesus. That's why we should be so burdened about their soul. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, y'all remember this verse in the Bible? What did Jesus say when Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Now let's stop here and say this. Aren't you thankful Thomas asked that question? Thomas falls under a lot of criticism because of his doubting. But he became one of the most courageous disciples and gave his life for his faith. Thomas wanted to be sure. He wasn't afraid to ask questions. And I'm thankful he asked this one because Jesus looked at him and said, he says, I am the way. What, y'all help me finish it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to heaven. You see, there are not multiple ways to heaven. Like the world is, is preaching to everybody. Like you have your way, I have my way. That, that's, that's, a, that's a lie. It's deception. Look, if we believe the Bible, then we need to be so burdened about the messages that are being fed to your children, my children, and to those that you love, your family, your friends, and those that are, the, the, the attack the church falls under by the deceptive influences outside these walls. That you are communicating the message to people that Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's no other door. He is the door. He said, I am the door. There is no other person who can give you hope and peace and meaning in this life. There's no other person that you can call on to be saved from your sin. There's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. It's Jesus. That's got to be our message to people. May God help us to, to, to get over our cowardice and be courageous to tell people Jesus is the only way to heaven. You don't trust Him, you will die lost and you will spend an eternity separated from God forever. He's the only way. Look, the position of mankind is why we should be burdened, but also the purpose of the church. And the purpose of the church is to proclaim the gospel. The purpose of your life and mine as Christians is to proclaim the gospel. Preachers are not the only proclaimers. Every Christian is a proclaimer of the gospel. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he told the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Jesus and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's a command to every believer, every disciple of Christ. We are called to be disciple makers. We are to call to replicate and make followers of Christ in our communities, in our families. Look, the position of mankind is why we should be burdened, the purpose of the church, but also the passion of God, as we understand it in the Bible, is why we should be so burdened for the lost. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know why Jesus has not returned yet? Because someone else needs to be saved. He's being patient. He's long-suffering. 
And he's given everyone the opportunity. Nobody's going to be able to stand before God and say, I did not have the opportunity to be saved. Every person that's ever been born has had the opportunity to repent and follow Christ. Every one of them. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. John 3, 16. Aren't you thankful for that verse in the Bible? May God help us not to take it for granted because we've known it since we were three or four years old. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have what, church? Everlasting life. Luke 15, 4 says, Suppose one of you, now listen to this. We know that God gave His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for all sin, rose again the third day so we could walk in newness of life, forever declaring victory over death, hell, and the grave. Aren't you thankful death is not the end for the believer? Aren't you thankful we're victorious through Christ? Boy, what a message to share with the world that's so hopeless. In Luke 15, 4, if this does not communicate the passion of God, maybe this verse will. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep, Jesus said, and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the ninety and nine? And go after the lost one until you found it. Leave the 99 and go after one that needed to be found. The shepherd leaves 99 sheep in the open country to search for the one lost sheep. He didn't say, oh well, 99% isn't bad. Jesus didn't step back and say, well, you're going to lose one once in a while. No, he said, I'm going after the one who's lost. Look, God's passion for lost people, why he came, makes it clear the inexpressible value of just one soul. You understand, every soul is precious. Every soul is valuable. That Jesus died. Look, forget what the Calvinist movement's wanting to spread out here. Jesus died for every person. That's ever been born. He died on the cross so they could be saved. And aren't you thankful for whosoever? I said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that wonderful? Church, isn't that great news to share with the world out here that needs it? Look, the passion of God is why we should be so burdened. Look, soul winning requires a burden. But secondly, soul winning results in blessing. Look, we want to experience blessing. Then we need to learn to reach people. I want you to notice a couple things. Soul winning, it brings joy to the Heavenly Father. What a blessing to know that I'm living in a way that's bringing joy and pleasure to my Heavenly Father. In the story of the prodigal son, we know in that story that God is typified as the father. When the prodigal returns, note what the father says about his son who was lost. In Luke 15, 32, it was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. You see, God delights... In obedience, in 1 Samuel 15, it says, Has the Lord, verses 22 and 23, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? You see, God takes great delight and joy in those who repent and follow Him. 
Like the lost son that was found, there was rejoicing and celebration. You see, God is joyful. It brings joy to him when a soul is one, when a soul is saved. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save, and he will rejoice over you with gladness. Soul winning brings joy to the Heavenly Father, but I want you to notice also soul winning brings joy to heaven. Soul winning brings joy to heaven. Not only does God rejoice when one person is saved, all of heaven rejoices when one person is saved. When a sinner repents, heaven celebrates. In Luke 15 it says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Likewise I say to you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Look, when the lost are found, even one of them is found, all of heaven rejoices. Now I want to point something out to you. It did not say that angels rejoice. It said in the presence of angels there is rejoicing, which tells me we know that our loved ones in heaven have an idea of when somebody gets saved on earth because they are participating in the celebration. And I kind of just picture heaven as this people being saved all over the earth. It's just one celebration after another. Can you imagine being a part of that celebration when you're, if you're our loved ones in heaven, the Lord's there, and there's excitement and rejoicing in the presence of angels when just one person repents and follows Christ? Can you imagine? We hadn't heard shouting like that probably. Hey, look, if there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, shouldn't there be rejoicing in the church? When one sinner repents. Look, soul winning brings joy to heaven, but thirdly, soul winning brings joy to the convert. There's the joy of reconciliation. Think about Colossians 1, 21, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Many of us can remember, you can remember the days you were lost and without Christ. Days you were hopeless and helpless and homeless because you didn't know Jesus. The days you rejected him. You were alienated. You were an enemy of God. But now through the blood of Jesus, because of repentance and forgiveness of sin, faith in Christ, you have been reconciled. The joy of reconciliation, but also the joy of possession. John 5, 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word, and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You are the possession of Christ. You understand the moment that you give your life to Jesus, that you repent and follow him? At that moment, you have eternal life. You are his possession. That's why we live with security and assurance, knowing that heaven is our eternal home. You also have the joy of anticipation. First Peter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look, we live with a living hope, church. Look, soul winning brings joy to the convert, but also, and I'll think about this, soul winning brings joy to the Christian. In Psalms 126.6, He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. In 1 Thessalonians 2.19, the Apostle Paul said, For what is our hope 
or joy or crown or of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Look, when you learn to reach people with the gospel, and by the way, it's our job to proclaim the message. You and I can't save anybody. You hear what I said? You and I can't save anybody. We don't have the power to do that, but we can proclaim the gospel to them. A guy was asked one day, he says, man, have you ever led anybody to Christ? I said, sure I have. I lead people to Jesus every day. I can't make them follow him, but I lead them to him every day. That's our job. We lead people to Christ. Whether they choose to follow him or not, it's not up to us. They have to make that decision. God's drawing them. Our job is to witness to them. It brings joy to the heart of the Christian when we are faithfully being obedient to proclaiming the gospel and sharing Jesus with somebody else. Dr. R.Q. Lavelle used to uh, be the pastor of First Baptist Church of Gainesville, Georgia. And he later became the president of New Orleans Theological Seminary. He was a great preacher. But one thing that he was known for was that he was a soul winner. He was a great preacher, but people knew him to be a soul winner. He was preaching revival in another state. And after the last night, uh, people were gathered to speak to him at the end of the service and to say their goodbyes to him. And he noticed out of the corner of his eye that there was a young woman with two small blonde-haired little girls standing over against the wall. Obviously, they were waiting to talk to him. They waited for over a half an hour, and finally, when the last person had walked away, the mother and the two little girls walked up to, to the platform, and she said, Dr. Lavelle, I have come. I've driven a long way to, to be here tonight. I've come to see you tonight. And it had taken a long time for her to get there. Dr. Lavelle said, you mean that you came all this way just to hear me preach? She said, oh, no, I came here just to tell you something. He said, you came all this way just to tell me something. And she said, yes. And he asked her, he said, well, what is it? She said, Dr. Lavelle, over 25 years ago, I was just a nine-year-old little girl in Delta, Mississippi. And I lived alone with my mother in a little one-room uh, shanty not far from town. They were having a revival at the First Baptist Church, and there was a knock on our door, and there was the pastor of the First Baptist Church and a tall man in a black suit. They asked if they could come in, and well, they came in, and that man sat down on our dirty floor right beside me, pulled out a little Bible from his pocket, opened it, and told me about the Lord Jesus. She said, I bowed my head in that little house, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. That night, my mother and I went down to the church, and I joined the church, and I was baptized, and my life has never been the same. Dr. Lavelle said, well, that is a wonderful story, but what does that have to do with me? At this point, as they're talking, tears began to well up in the eyes of this young lady. And she said, Dr. Lavelle, you were that man in the black suit. And I drove all this way just to tell you thank you for telling me about Jesus 25 years ago. See, when we share Christ, it brings joy to the Christian. Because you may never know, this lady had the opportunity to go see and thank Dr. Lavelle for his witness with her. There may be people that God uses you to reach you may never know about until you get to heaven one day. It brings joy to the Christian to reach people, to share Christ, to see their lives change. R.A. Torrey said, There is no joy like the joy of saving men. And it is possible for every child of God, no matter how humble, how gifted, to have this joy. 
day after Michael's funeral because all I did today was just do my best to preach Jesus and, and beg people to know Christ, to follow him before it's too late. And we were at the graveside, and me and, me and Cole had gone. We were lit walking to the car. And one of the young men, teenager, that was at the funeral chased me down and said, I just want to shake your hand and thank you for what you shared today. It brings joy to the Christian when we talk about Jesus. God knows who he is. Pray for this young man. I don't know if he knows the Lord or not. It brings joy to the Christian when we soul win. Soul winning requires a burden. It results in blessing. But number three, and lastly tonight, soul winning is the responsibility, listen to me, of every believer. Soul winning is the responsibility of every believer. I believe we understand the burden we need to have. I believe we all can get that. that we, we understand the blessing it is to see other people saved. And I believe tonight in our crowd that's here tonight, I believe we all would say that we need to be soul winners. But how, but how can we put that into practice? I think there's a lot of, of things that hold us back. We have common fears and reservations, things like shyness and nervousness and what to say. And Look, no, none of us like rejection. None of us like somebody walking away from us or, or saying something off, offhand to us because of how we feel spiritually. We don't like those things. Um, but that's part of the journey. It's part of our life of faith. It's part of what we're going to go through as Christians. They, these are understandable. But church, listen, they cannot be things that we use as excuses to keep us from being obedient. Because again, to omit what Christ has called us to do, to, to not do this, is to commit sin. You know, James, the half-brother of Christ, said, Him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is what? Sin. And so again, these things we got to take very seriously. And we need to confess it as sin when we reject the opportunity to do it. We need to be busy sharing the gospel with other, thing, with other people. What are some practical things that we can do to overcome the anxieties we have when we talk about the Lord? What are some things we can do? Here, a couple of simple things tonight. Be prayerful, number one. Be prayerful. Seek the Heavenly Father about who He wants you to talk with. Ask Him for guidance, for wisdom, for peace. Look, the Lord knows what you're going through. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows the anxieties you have about talking uh, with whoever it is that may be on your heart. Be prayerful. Be prayerful. And then listen and go. Another great thing to do is to hey text a friend in, in the church or someone you can trust that you know will pray for you. And say, hey, pray for me. I'm going to talk with such and such about their soul and share Christ with them. Would you pray for me right now? I do that all the time with my family. If I know I'm going into a situation where I'm going to be able to talk with someone, I'll text my family and say, look, please pray for me right now. And give them the name of who I'm talking to. And, they, and I know they're going to pray for me in that moment. One time my brother Josh um, texted and he asked us to do that. And shortly, you know, about an hour or so later, he texted us a picture of him and this young man. And said, y'all can now pray for our new brother. He just gave his life to Jesus. Hallelujah. We rejoice as a family. Those are great things to rejoice over. What a blessing. Nothing like rejoicing over one lost sinner who was found. Be prayerful. The second practical thing we can do is be loving. Look, serve them. Be there for them. Look, take the time. Take the time to get to know people. 
You know, one of the greatest things that, that someone can say about our church is that we are a loving church. And I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Speak to people. You know, you know I, we, we, we often dismiss things because, well, it's just not my personality. I, can I say something? Look, God doesn't care. He's called us to this. There's been times before I've, I've talked to people and, and, and they are so put off by Christians simply because they don't look happy and they don't speak to you when they walk by you. They don't acknowledge you when you come in a room. <laughs> I mean, these are things that are just so simple. But yet we're so consumed with ourselves and our own stuff, we simply don't, we're not inviting. So look, be loving. Serve people. Something as simple as smiling at somebody invites people to, to engage you in a conversation. Smiling's a great thing. Hey, be real. People want authenticity. They want you to be real with them. There's nothing wrong with training or practicing a technique of how you talk with somebody about the Lord. Those things are kind. I don't do that. I don't like the the the. Uh, there's just a lot of the, the rhetoric. I just don't, I don't get into it because it sounds so rehearsed and, and fake, to be honest with you. Be yourself. Be who God's called you to be and trust God to give you what you need in that moment to talk to that person about their soul. They need to see a real person who has real struggles that is serving a real Savior. That's what people need. They don't need fake. They don't need religion. I told the crowd here that I said, God did not send Jesus to this earth to bring us religion. He sent Jesus to this earth to save sinners so that we could have a relationship with him. So pe people don't, they don't want all that. They don't need all that. Be real. Don't overcomplicate things. Be personable. Be interested in them. Call them by their name. Research tells us when someone hears their own name, there's a unique brain functioning activation that occurs. People like to hear their name. You treat others kindly, in most cases, they're going to listen to you whether they agree with you or not. Kindness expresses to people that you really care about them. It opens that door to ask them heart-searching questions like, you know, tell me about where you go to church. Do you know who Jesus is? That's a really interesting question, by the way. I asked three teenagers that one day in our neighborhood, and that led to an interesting conversation. Hey, who, who is Jesus? And their, their answers were, were, were you know, three different answers, but it opened the door to at least let them know, look, somebody cares about me. Asking someone a question like, do you live with hope? And you're kind when you're relational, when you're personable. It leads to asking these questions that can cause someone to think. Asking them, here's, 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 asking them a question or, or asking them something like, do you have a church home? Maybe the icebreaker you need. Hey, where do you attend church at? Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't go to church. I don't go anywhere. The church hurt me years ago. I got, I got mad with the church. What an opportunity to talk to someone and encourage them. You know, I told someone one time, I said, you know, the church has hurt me a lot too. 
I mean, I just agreed with them. And that kind of shocked them there for a moment. I've been hurt too by the church. Yeah, they, they, don't, you know, they don't need an argument. They need someone to listen, someone who cares enough to listen to them, the hurts, the things they've walked through and, and been through in life, and it opens that door to express the most important thing to them, and that's knowing Christ. Knowing Christ as Savior. See, our tendency is to use our hesitations as excuses not to do what God has commanded us to do. And one of the greatest things we can do is possess faith like a child. Our children teach us so much. You know, I, I, mentioned, I mentioned Landon earlier, and one thing he would say to people that put his daddy on the spot when we were out in public, like it led to conversations. He would ask, are you a Christian? Didn't matter who it was, an adult, a child, whoever. It didn't matter how old they were. He would ask, are you a Christian? At some point, if he got to talk to you, Landon would ask you, are you a Christian? Brother William Calvert was sitting up here one day, and he asked Brother William Calvert, was he a Christian? I mean, Brother Chris, he's been saved for 90 years, and <laughs> he just wanted to be sure. Hey, can I tell you something interesting? funeral I preached today, I got connected to this family because of the witness of Landon in Taco Bell, talking to a lady named Julie about the Lord, putting his daddy on the spot one day when they're eating. He asked Julie, are you a Christian? Led to a conversation, a relationship was built with Julie. Michael is Julie's cousin. I got to know Michael and his mom. We, the first time we had a conversation was in the x-ray room over here at the hospital when I was there with Landon. Land, me and Landon were there, and Landon had some stuff he had to have done, and they were there, and we met them and talked to them. Led to people coming to our church. Julie's sister now attends our church, and her husband. They've given their lives to the Lord. Her husband and her son need to be baptized. The witness of a, of a little boy who just had enough courage to engage someone in a conversation in Taco Bell are you a Christian? Look, there's a lot of joy that happens in our lives when we learn to talk about Jesus with other people. Tonight, would you join me in, in, in let's confessing our lack of burden, our lack of obedience to this. Hey, look, let's confess it as sin. And let's ask God, Lord, give me a burden, a passion for souls that you have. Help me to see people. Look, as I think on this, when I, when I go, like on being on the boat last week, when I'm around people, I just start to find myself wondering, thinking about people's lives and where they're headed. And I thank God for doing that, that, that work, and I want God to continue to work it in me because it's been so convicting to me. Would you allow God to work in you tonight so that you can just reach that one, that one He has that He needs you to reach? that he needs you to talk to, that he needs you to share faith with, that he needs you to represent Jesus to. Let's stand together tonight and pray. Father, I pray tonight, God, that you would help us to win souls. God, we know this brings pleasure to you. God, we know 
that is what you tell us in your word, what you command us to do. It's all of our responsibility, Lord. If we follow Christ, if we claim to be Christians, God, you have put that responsibility on us. And God, I pray tonight that you would burden our hearts. Lord, maybe in a way like they've never been burdened before. God, we get so distracted by our lives, our own busyness, our stuff, that we miss we miss the fact, God, that there are people all around us that need Jesus. And God, we need to be ready and open, Lord, and willing to give, as Peter described, an answer of the hope that is within us. So God, use us to reach people in our community with the gospel. Uh, Lord, use us to reach the unreachable, to reach the outcast those that feel neglected and overlooked. Lord, help us to, to reach them, to have a heart for all people. So God, burden our hearts tonight. Look, as we close the service tonight, why don't you do this with me this evening? I believe there's somebody on, on all of our minds and hearts, somebody that, that we care about, that we love, that we know is outside of Christ. They're not living right. They need the Lord. And I want to invite you tonight to get around this altar. And the first thing I, I want you to do this evening is I want you to talk to the Lord and beg God to give you the burden that He gave the Apostle Paul when Paul prayed and said if they could be accursed from Christ for his kinsmen. That's how burdened he was that his brethren might be saved. Would you beg God to give you a burden? Confess your lack of burden. Tonight, let's leave it here, and let's leave this place clean and, and empowered and strengthened and more excited to reach people than maybe we have been in a long time. Tonight, I invite you to gather around the altar, and let's spend some time in prayer as we end our service this evening.